I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny Beatty, and former France international, Benjamin Kayser. We've got a big time guest coming up as well, and we'll look ahead to the return of the Champions Cup and take a look at what's been going on in the top 14 recently. But first, it does feel like ages ago, but happy new year, guys. How was your festive period? Happy new year. Happy new year, boys. Bonne année, la santé, la santé, la santé. That means health, 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 and the rest, you can all sort it yourselves. Health, Johnny? Well, I'll let Kayser go first. Benji, how was your New Year, mate? Come on. Well, Christmas and New Year's was pretty much both the same. Everybody had COVID at some point. So my wife got it Christmas Eve. So we were on our way to the in-laws, had to turn around, pretend the girls, no, no, we got it wrong. You know, Christmas is next week, actually. We just completely got it wrong. <laughs> Pouring the eyes out in, in the car. Yeah, don't let us, you know, we want to go see grandma and stuff. So that, that was that was a bit brutal. Harsh. Some And so my eldest got it, but for some reason, my little one and myself never did. It's because we're just absolute bloody machines. <laughs> the, torpedo, the torpedo in myself, which means I built on for breakfast because that's what pretty much that's what she eats since she's four. I can't be, I could not be prouder. Um, saves you. That, that's uh, there. You go. I'll, I'll get you the, the special trick against COVID built on, but um, no, no. So, so that was a bit brutal. And then New Year's Day, though. So, we did Christmas, we did sort of a Christmas lunch on New Year's Day, which was uh, which was lovely. But um, I don't, I told you guys a fair few times my sister was getting married, wedding got canned. So, I don't want to speak about Christmas anymore. <laughs> this whole, this whole couple of weeks, oh, everybody's okay. My girl's okay. They still got some gifts. We still, you know, had a nice time stuff. But the frustration of missing out on so many things, so many reunions, I haven't seen my parents for months now, it's just getting heavy. It's getting really, really heavy. So, so I want to move on. And 22 is going to be smashing. 2022 is going to be absolutely amazing. We're going to see each other, lick each other's faces. Everybody's going to be able to travel. <laughs> Rugby is going to be full tilt. I can't wait. Johnny? Similar story you're in? Uh, I think I've done too much of licking faces already, mate. That's my issue at the minute. And I need to eat biltong for breakfast, clearly. Um, we're riddled here, mate, at the minute. So today is actually my first day testing negative. Um, and I have been in a pickle for the past week. Um, I think like you, Benji, as well, we spent so much time dodging it and moving around. So we actually had a really nice Christmas at home. We were back in Scotland. And then we had a wedding over New Year, which was the kiss of death in 
Ireland. So we went to County Clare, went to Doolin in Ireland, had an amazing time. But I think halfway through the wedding, everyone was like, there's absolutely no chance we can get home from this thing, which we had to. We had to test negative to get home. We had to test negative to get back to France. So well within the rules, but we arrived on French soil and my wife and I just looked at each other and we were like, something is not right. Um, and that was it. So we had three, four days grim like everyone else has had. It's not like we've been flat out in bed, but horrible throats, horrible heads, sore all over. Um, and that's us just finished day seven of quarantine. We've just all tested again and we've just found out that our eldest Lockie is positive for the first time. So we've got another seven days um, to go. But do you know what? It was, it was worth it. Like you said, Benji, just that little bit to see family. It was worth it to get back, see everybody. I think that 2022, like you said, the light is finally at the end of the tunnel, the sort of the way governments are speaking, people are saying that we have to get on with this now. So hopefully rules and regulations will be lighter and we can get out and do more and see more. Lick each other's faces, do what you want, Benji. Hopefully it's just around the corner. So that's us at the minute. It was a good Christmas. It's been a, a dodgy start to 2022, um, but looking forward to the next few weeks. Some massive games of rugby, uh, Six Nations just around the corner um, and all looking positive. Do we need a built-on supplier, Benji? Do we, it feels like I, an that would coming. be that, that would be absolutely lovely, actually. And there's a big old strong South African, uh, what's South African slash Scottish prop in Edinburgh who does some delicious biltong and he's been kind he enough does. to like, you know, pay one, throw one, something like that. That's that's ideal. But if he wants to throw more this way, please, I'll pick them up and I'll be happy to. It's the only biltong that's basically like a sirloin steak sliced in like three pieces. <laughs> grilled. I mean, the amount of meat that they are, they're very, very chunky, absolutely delicious. Couldn't, uh, what's it called again, uh, Johnny? Might as well give him a it's Pierre, Schum it's Pierre Schumann. Yeah. So if you go on his social media... He does really, really good. I think it's called the Proper Pioneer. Yeah, proper it's got Pioneer. Proper. It's a play yeah. on, very clever. It's a front row play on words. Delicious. It's very, very clever. And um, the other one that's actually really good is Armand Coster, who I, another boy who's at the Cheetahs. I played with him at Bayonne. He's got the Zulu Shack, which he set up in France as well. So if you're back in the UK, you can use Schumann's. And if you're in France, you can look up the Zulu Shack or Armand Coster's Instagram. There's a plug for both of them. You get commission for this, Benji, but they do some seriously good built-on. It's next level. The chili one, the chili built-on. It's, it's, it's the best. It's out of this world. Yeah, Armand, first week for free, but give us a call next week. <laughs> exactly. We're charging you. <laughs> Should we have a chat about the top 14 then? Because there were three rounds over the festive period. A number of games cancelled, but still a load did go ahead. So where are we at? It wasn't a good period for Beerits, was it Johnny? Uh, yeah, Yes and no. Um, I think if you're looking purely at wins and losses, it's obviously not great, but the manner of those losses weren't catastrophic. They lost that sort of basement battle game against Perpignan at the weekend. It was 25-23 they lost, but they played good stuff. The week before they went to Bordeaux and lost by three points at Bordeaux, 30-27. So, I mean, it doesn't look good on paper, but actually the sort of nuts and bolts and how they'll feel around their camp, they won't feel too down on themselves, not too negatively, because they've still got some quality personnel that are playing well and they're throwing together some really good rugby. They, I think the third week before that, they lost to Montpellier, which was slightly less convincing, but you know it's a long old season. There's still 11, same, 11 games to go. I think they go up against Breve at the end of this month. We will be sort of head to head. They're only two points ahead of them and they're not on decent form either. So it, it doesn't look great on first reading, but when you look a bit closer, actually, I think they'll be confident they can maybe do something. It's so tight down the end of the table anyway. I think that the four last teams is a difference of three, four points. So anything could happen. Johnny mentioned them there. Your mates at Brief, Benji, they're in a bit of trouble, aren't they? You're throwing me under the bus, mate. I haven't watched <laughs> a minute of, of, of Brief at the moment. No, if you're asking me about mates of Clermont, yeah. 
then I can actually speak because I've watched the last two games. I'm very proud of myself. I must say, if, if the TV people can listen to me, night games are the best for me. So if you can try to put the ones that I like at night, I would be seriously appreciated. You do have a lot of influence, so consider it done. But no, no, I was I was really happy, really, really happy. Not other weekend, so they lost in racing. Racing had a seriously, uh, uh, how do you say that? They had fire under their bums. Mm-hmm. because they, I think they lost four in the trot or something, and that was their first fifth game with a close victory against Clermont in, uh, up in Paris. A really important one. Quite a good game, really enjoyable game, actually. Really fast-paced. And then, you know, Teddy Thomas scoring, and then Damien Pono scoring, and then George Moana scoring. And then it was really full tilt. Everybody, I think, had a good, get, uh, uh, a good laugh about it. But the weekend before, Clermont hosted Toulouse at home, and that was a proper game of rugby, a proper battle. And I was absolutely delighted about the performance of Clermont. I think you could, I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's, it's worth having a look. Um, before the game, Dato Girakashvili, who's a former Georgian international tight head, legend of Clermont, who's the scrummaging coach back in La Rochelle. And then Jolo Gibbs took him back to Clermont uh, when, when he signed back at the club. And he, and he really stepped up and gave them one of his, one of his proper like pre-match team chats. And it's always about but about guts, about balls, but especially about heart and soul and commitment to the to the to the to the institution, to the club, to it's about bravery, it's about you know how 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 courageous you are, how much you like to uh, initiate uh, fear in the opponent's eyes and all that. And he's just a legend of a bloke. And I was really happy to see all those boys really connecting with him. John O'Gibbs, you know, just wandering around like a, like a white shark around that circle or that hurdle of players. We just wanted to see that that message was heard. Because for all the, the Clermont fanatics, I'm telling you, a pre-match speech from Dato Ziraka really happens every four or five months, something like that. But when it happens, bloody hell, you want to be there. It's proper. It's, you know, it's one of those guys wow. who doesn't speak more actually before game. He's a, he's a suit. He's a chatterbox. Don't get me wrong. He's like a history fanatic. He'll speak to you about the Crusades as much as he'll speak to you about, you know, Sensius Johnson's uh, scrummaging technique. He's, he's a pretty remarkable fella. And on big occasions, he just rises. And I saw him there. It really made me feel a bit, not emotional, but like, um, I was jealous. I really wanted to be in that hurdle, get, get another, another bit of a motivation from him. And they ended up playing a, a one hell of a game. I thought Arthur Ituria had the best game he's had this he's season. Beast. And as a captain, he really, really, really stepped up. I was delighted for them. As a whole, as an, as an institution, as a club, they had to take on Toulouse without Dupont, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. Tamak was playing and all the other fellas. Well, they came up with a pretty strong team and they played really, really well. Damien Penault was extraordinary. The, the, the stadiums in France from the 3rd of January had to close, shut down the number of spectators. And that, I think, was the 2nd of January. And so the, the stadium was packed. 19,500 mad uh, ISM fans. Like, I mean, this place rocked like, like never before or since a long, long time since I was there, basically. And it really, really <laughs> did rock. And it was extraordinary. I was so proud, so happy for them. So again, just a little, um, a little well done to the lads in Clermont. I really think something's turning, something's changing. They completely rotated the squad, still played a hell of a good game in racing, lost by, I think they took, yeah, they took the bonus point because Morgan kicked it out. Um, on They could have gone, they were five points behind. They could have gone to try, but he didn't want. He was too close to the line, just kicked it out. They got a bonus point. So basically, four plus one, five points over two games after playing Toulouse and, and racing is not bad. Clermont back. You mentioned his name, Antoine Dupont, not being there. Did you see the stat that Philippe Saint-André threw out about their win ratio when he's there and when he's not there? So when Antoine Dupont doesn't start or isn't in the 23, Toulouse's win percentage is 40% or 45%. When he's there, it's like 90 Crazy how much influence that guy has, but 
mate, you're right. Claremont were good. They started phenomenally. They were so good to watch as well. That first half, I thought they were going to blow them off the pitch. Um, but a decent comeback by Racing. But you're absolutely right. Claremont, again, slow starters, but they're back. Even though they lost that game back, they were really good. And quite a few teams did play three games over that period. But the like, Toulon played none. And there were a number of other teams who had games cancelled. So there's a backlog coming, isn't there, Johnny? Yeah, and the question, again, it was muted in French press today that they were hoping the first rounds would possibly be played on the weekend of the 12th of February. And the other ones are going to have to be played on, or they call them doublons here in France, the doubles, um, on Six Nations weekends because there's no other spot in the calendar. But Toulon, you think, who probably won't lose too many players during the Six Nations, it's a good thing for them. Um, the timing works well for them. The teams they're going to play against, uh, it works into their hands, but... For other sides, it obviously isn't great. It's how that calendar falls. It's not always easy and you get teams that hate it more than others because they've got more Six Nations players and unfortunately, they're going to be affected again. Toulon were desperate to play. They were just gradually getting back at it and you could tell that there was a change. Chesin Gobli hadn't, hadn't played a game and now he was back. I'll tell you right now, there's no chance in the world all those games will be played. It's humanly impossible. Somebody's going to have to give in, but honestly, Toulon wants to play. Franck Azema wants to play. He wants to get his, his, his hand on the thing. I hope he's using this time wisely. I'm sure that he is to actually get to know more into depth the, 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 so his team and stuff. But the last thing that he needed is his president, Bernard Lemaitre, saying that Eden Elizabeth and Facundo Issa, ah, they're a problem. They're a problem for your salary cap. They're a problem for your group. I see, what, I see what he means. Of course, it's understandable. Huge players, you want them to be there all the time uh, and, and not never to be called out on international duty because the thing is just too, too uh, how do you say that, too um, impactful on, on, the, on the depth of the squad. Yes, fair enough. You don't say it like that, do you? There's a big old picture of Ine Elizabeth with like biceps behind his ears and all you can see is, you know, Ine Elizabeth and, and Facundo Isa and, and are like, like a, a rock. An issue. Right? Yeah. yeah, like an issue. Like a stone in your, in your boot or whatever you say in English. I know Frank, he's not going to like that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Well, let's get our guest on now then, because he had a rare weekend off after his side's trip to Toulouse was called off. But he'll be able to fill us in on all the goings on at Montpellier at the moment. England back row, Zach Mercer joins us. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? We're good. Talk us through what's going on at the moment because your last couple of games have been cancelled because of COVID a number of positive test results is everyone okay first of all yeah no everyone's it was more the situation with regard to the front row has not been able to produce the front row really which is where we struggled on and uh, we had a couple of guys coming back from COVID and having to do the return to play and it just wasn't safe for us to play and it's gutting for us because we were six on the bounce in the top 14 uh, for us that's massive and we just want to play it's it's so tough because every week you're building up to these games and we're getting called off 48 hours before you're supposed to be playing. And for a rugby player, everyone just thinks, oh yeah, whatever. But it's actually, it's quite mentally draining. At the same time, it's you work so hard to, all week to face Toulon and then that's called off. And then you work so hard to face Toulouse and then that's called off. And then obviously it's Europe this weekend and who knows what's going to happen. So it's, it's a tough time, but as a club, we're in a great position. How are cases looking right now? So obviously you just mentioned that massive game this weekend. You've got Leinster this weekend away in Dublin. How is the situation? Are those front rowers back fit? Are we going to see a game this weekend? Are you, are you ready to go? Oh no, Yeah, no, we're all back fit now. We've, all the lads have come out of isolation and we had today off and we're back in training tomorrow looking as far as we're concerned. We're going uh, to Leinster to do a job. So we haven't played in two weeks. So it's a good challenge for us. And also, you just mentioned your day off. Talk us through your day off, because it's different. We've just been mentioning, our, like, <laughs> I'm in southwest of France, where it's pissing down with rain. Benji and Tim were back in the UK, where it's pissing down rain anyway, 24-7. Montpellier, I've been there two years there. Great time in my life. What's it like just now? What were you up to today in your well, day off? Normally, on a day off, normally I get up at six, get on the walk bike and go for a run. <laughs> Mate, and you're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> no, Philippe, no, no, a lesson, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I was blessed today. We, uh, sun, sun was shining, a bit cold, but went down to the golf course and had a had a game of golf with Henry Thomas, obviously, and uh, Bruce Rihanna uh, and a friend of his. So, yeah, got down there in the sun. It was nice. And how is Montpellier treating you? Because it is a special place. And when you arrive, I grew up in Glasgow. You grew up partly in Glasgow as well. Complete culture shock, complete change, lifestyle, weather. It's an insane part of the world. So give us a little insight into how you're enjoying it and the feel for the place. Yeah. So it's real tough for me and my fiance when we came over because it was because of COVID, we couldn't actually ever, we never came to the place. And the first time we came here, we got the Eurostar down and uh, pulled into the train station and we're pretty much just like, so this is it. This is where we're going to spend uh, the next couple of years of, of my rugby career here and walked across the road, went to the hotel and walked around and we're like, oh, this is it. So real. And the next day we checked into the house and we haven't seen the house. I've only seen it on FaceTime. And um, so to see it in person was pretty special and we got very lucky on that front. But as a place, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's right by the sea and uh, the town and everything is just it's pretty spectacular and like you said obviously growing up in Glasgow and Yorkshire and uh, it's completely different parts of the world and I do believe that I'm so happy off the field that it does affect the way I am on, on the pitch and uh, I've got no worries here the weather's perfect and obviously now I just want to get down to, to playing some rugby again Talk to me about that first phone call that first tell me if please it's Philippe that gave you that first phone call to be like listen I want, I want to give you you know 
give you a taster of Montpellier. What did he sell? What did he sell to you? What was obvious? Oh, forget about the, the whole thing. Don't give me the answer about making myself a better rugby player. I'm going to come back and play for England in three years. None of that one. The actual, what did he sell about the life, about you know, how much you're going to enjoy it there? Um, yeah, it's weird. Obviously, you know Philippe, and Philippe doesn't believe his English is that good, but he actually is a lot better than he thinks he is. So the conversation's like, he thinks he's not getting across, but it's actually like, no, he's perfectly good English. Borat's English is perfect, right? It's just yeah, his accent. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah, his accent's right. all over the shop. Yeah. I'll let you tell it that. You could compare it to Borat. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, the first conversation was obviously, I've never been in the open market to be able to go anywhere different. So for me, it was a bit like surreal. And obviously your agents deal with a lot of it. And I remember uh, I was sat in my fiance's house, family house, and he, he called me on the phone. And to be honest, he was just, he was just selling the dream, really. He was like telling the squad and what the squad's got and what they've achieved. And um, obviously not a lot at that point. They were sitting towards the bottom of, of the table. But for me, it's a name like Montpellier. You just know. It's not like, like every rugby player kind of just knows, even though they're quite, they're not an old club. I only found this out the other day. You think Montpellier's got rich in history, but it actually is not. It's quite fairly new to the rugby scene. But for me, I didn't have any aspirations to go to France. I really didn't. It, and then when I, after that phone call with Philippe, I was like, do you know what? Why not? Obviously, the, the perks of playing in the top 14 are massive. And uh, obviously, meeting Alchard as well for the first time. Uh, he gets a lot, of, like, a lot of press release, but I think the guy's brilliant. I, I, I find him ridiculously interesting. Um, his speeches, like for what he's achieved in his life is... It's actually so surreal and um, he's actually an inspiration, inspirational guy. And um, I do believe that's why we're doing so well on the pitch this year. I think everyone's bought into what he wants to do and the way he dealt with his business during COVID and et cetera, it's kind of like, he's kind of motivated us to push on. And I remember we had a, about three games and we had a crisis meeting. I think we lost to Toulouse at home just with a missed kick and then we lost to uh, Claremont at home with a missed kick. And I was like, oh, with two games in, everyone that knows rugby when the crisis meetings happen, he's like, oh, here we go. Um, he actually asked me to speak in this meeting. And I was a bit, I was a bit taken back, really, because an English guy coming in and then asking what my opinion is with regard to the situation we're in. I was a bit like, okay. And obviously the translator was there and he translated for me. And, and I think from then on, we kind of just clicked and we're kind of on the same vision and for me, I just want to play for, for the lads and for him massively because I owe him. He, he took a shot on me to bring me here. So What did you say, mate? I said, like, when we look at the games at the start of the year, we actually haven't been beaten by a better team. I can honestly say now that I can put my hand up in, in the top point and say, I don't think we've been beaten by a better team. To be honest, I just said, like, I, I can sense, you know, like Benjamin would say, like, the pride, and you know, Johnny, like, the proud, the prideness that these guys have when they put the jersey on is ridiculous and it's completely different to the Premiership and, I think that's a massive part of that. And we've kind of stripped back to that and just played for each other and played for the jersey. And after that meeting, we've gone six in a row. So I think, wow. it's, obviously that meeting, I'm not saying it was my speech. Mate, that translator, that, that, translator, that translator is a hell of a, a spokesperson. Yeah, I would say I'll tell you a funny story about the translator later because oh, we, were, we were in Paris. Um, so Tom Whitford, who's our team manager, great yeah. role, English dude. Uh, uh, too long before and that one, Pally. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he started the meeting and Philippe's there like in the change room at the Paris Stadium in Racing, screaming, screaming, screaming. And then Tom goes, we need to tickle them in the breakdown. And then in the English side, look at him and go, what, tickle them? And he just straight face just goes, tickle them. And where I look like, I look to my left and I've got Henry Thomas. And 
And I'm like, did he just say tickle? And obviously, because it's like two minutes before kickoff, you're like, right, let's just crack on. And then after the game, he just he, we won. And then he got completely, absolutely shredded after the game. So it's uh, the translating stories are quite funny. So uh, yeah, it's good to crack over here. Oh, mate, some, when, when Philippe goes full tilt, you might even need a translator in French, mate. All, all you need to know <laughs> is that he's a top boy. He's got a good heart. Oh, he lives yeah. for those moments. He yeah. lives for the for the boys to be to get all jacked up. And that's what he likes to transmit to, to the boys. He's always talking about culture, about families, about people. That's why he liked it in, in England so much, because there was only him who was, who was there screaming everywhere. That's why they were so different. You can see that, like, with the way he speaks and he talks about team spirit and what we've got so well this year. And I feel, I feel like Olivier Azam is very similar. I think he'll first want to say that he wasn't technically brilliant, but he'll probably go on the pitch and give his all <laughs> and do what he had to do to win the game. So, no, I respect the coaches here massively. The way Zach's playing this year, I don't think he needs any advice, Benji, but Philippe, what does he like? Does he like a bottle of red on his desk on a Monday morning? Or All I remember is that that semi-final Challenge Cup and I told you after the games, I, I think he carried the ball about 64 times that day. <laughs> and I was uh, after the game, I looked at him, you know, mate, you've signed in Montpellier already. And Philippe is like, yeah, slow down now, slow down. I don't want you to get injured. That's all he cared about. <laughs> uh, mate, Philippe just likes somebody, he likes somebody genuine. I think he likes the fact that you've you've got a you've got you've got chats, you don't mind a bit of banter, you just want to go there with a big smile on your face and do well and do your best. And that's what he wants. He wants curious, curious, open, positive people. Just go hard and then we'll deal with the shit later. And you mentioned Mohad Altrad. Is that one of the big differences between the premiership and top 14? Obviously you had Bruce Craig at, at Bath. The the owners are a bit more hands-on. No, massively. I mean, when I was leaving Bath, I'll be honest now, I'm putting my hand up said Bruce, I didn't speak to Bruce once. Um, he didn't come to me and try and keep me I didn't even deal with him I didn't speak to him until the, the, my final game um, and that's the, wow. that's, that's, the only, that's the only time I saw him um, so with Altrad it, it's pretty special because so, you don't know how he gets there but if you're playing away he'll be there like, you'll, you'll come down from your he's room he's in the PJ mate he's not, yeah. in the, he's not in the bus he's in the private jet yeah, he's don't worry about how he gets there you know how he gets there so I'm just walking down and there he is and I fair play like and then he'll give a little chat before the game and uh, and then he'll be in the change room after the lads. But during the game, he's there smoking his cigar and whatever. But I actually do think he wants to learn. He really does want to learn about the game of rugby. Like, so he asks questions. He wants to know what's going on all the time. And but I just think it's so special like to have someone that owns a club, to be there within that environment all the time. I think it's, it's massive. Like He knows exactly what's going on. And if he's not there, his friend's there. Jean. Yeah, looking what's going on. And then it's like, so he, he's always looking and it's like not a negative thing. Every guy's negative because he's watching you. But for me, it's the complete opposite. It's also testament to his personality as well because he's not a, like obviously it's your money you're paying for this massive play toy effectively. But you get people that come in and like Benji mentioned at the top of the show that the sort of messaging from the Toulon president during the week, just like putting his foot in it or clangers. But Moed is very tactful and that he's good at speaking with you one-on-one. -on -one. He's not overly outspoken in the press to put his foot in it or make it harder for the players. Yeah, and he's actually, he's a pleasure to be around in the club as well. That's the, and I mean, that can be from stupid stuff. Like when we were there, Shantaine Happy'd be like, mate, can I borrow the keys for your Lamborghini? And he'd go and take the cars around yeah. the car park. Like stupid stuff like that, really friendly, all the way to actually wanting to engage, get to know you, make sure you're settled. And even now, like if I go and do TV stuff, he's like, oh, Johnny, like our old Scottish mate, how are you getting on? We miss you. Like he's he's really good with the soft skills. But as you mentioned, he, he's keen to learn. So even though he does nothing in terms of no, rugby technical knowledge as a special subject, 
business. Yeah. The guy is an absolute oh, yeah. the best in the world. And it's amazing to see how much he has learned over the years in the rugby sphere as well, because it's, he's just so good. He's such an intelligent, articulate, and he just works his backside off. He's some man. And there's a tip for you, Zach. Ask him to borrow his Lamborghini. I'll tell you what, I see his Bentley, Bentley pulled up before games. So I just say, if I have a good performance, I'll just say, mate, do you mind if I take it for a spin? I'll bring it back one day. Apart from the Lamborghinis and the Bentleys, you mentioned it was the first time really you'd been out of contract. So you had these offers, presumably from lots of different clubs all on the table. What made you pick Montpellier out of all of them? To be honest, like, Lazowski was here before and he obviously influenced my decision and he, had a, he looked at it in a very different light because obviously he kind of joined the, the Montpellier and then he got voted the worst signing in the top 14 and uh, and then somehow he turned it around and... You just threw him under the bus there. Yeah, no, but that's <laughs> improved. And they wanted to keep him. They wanted to keep him. The press, can say, the press can say whatever they want. Philippe loved him and they yeah, really but, liked him. But then if you sing at the start of the season, he was the best player by the end of it. He was ridiculous and like he absolutely loved it here. I mean... Obviously, he had to go back to Saris regarding the contract stuff, but he wanted to be here and he really enjoyed it. He got on really well with the lads and he actually just loved the place. And so when I spoke to him once, that was it. He convinced me to come and that's when they were sitting at the bottom of the league, like near the bottom of the league. So for me, I was just like, yeah, well, he sold it to me. And obviously the place and obviously Philippe and being by the South of France is obviously nice. But for me, I just believe that the club had ambition and with Philippe in charge and I believe, like I've shown this year, we've shown that we are capable of, of winning something. So that's 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 a question I've got for you. A couple of minutes ago, you were saying that you can't wait. Obviously, fingers crossed, everything goes well. That you guys go to Leinster, a hell of a game, Aviva or the RDS or whatever the yeah. other one. Uh, proper game of rugby. Everyone wants to play it. The only um, criticism I've got against Montpellier, well, one of the only, but you're on the show right now, so I'll just go through one. <laughs> is is the fact that. Even when you in the in like four or five six years ago, when Vern Cotter transformed that club, got to the Premiership fi- top fourteen final, they were smoking everyone. They did not take uh, Champions Cup seriously. They just weren't interested because there was maybe a lack of depth of the, of the squad, maybe, and they really wanted to concentrate on you know step by step. First, let's do domestic, then we'll go to Europe. And you just said, "Oh, we can't wait to get out there." Is it can't wait to get out there because it's a hell of a game, or you guys actually have ambition for Europe this year? No, me, you're right. I mean. Uh, I found it really weird when I came because in the Premiership, everyone's like, Champions Cup. Like, it's so exciting. It's a different competition. It's it's something that you like dream of playing in the Champions Cup. And I remember rocking up and I was like, so obviously we had Exeter away and when the team sheet was named, it was a bit, it was a different team. It, obviously we had, we had to give our internationals time off so they had to go away and whatever. And, but I do believe that we do want to take it seriously. Obviously we've got five points against Leinster, obviously because of COVID, they had COVID and whatever. But I do believe we're in a position now with the depth we do have that we can go after Europe as well as as well as the top 14. And you kind of see it with only like Toulouse, La Rochelle, but they are the top teams in the, in, in the top 14 will go after Europe. But we're one of them top teams now and I believe that we will go after it. And obviously, but that's me speaking from a player's point of view. Obviously, you know, Philippe or whatever. But for me, I, I, I'd be disappointed if we didn't believe that we could do something in that competition. In terms of going from Bath to Montpellier, have you just taken your game from Bath to Montpellier or have you had to adapt in terms of the style of play and what's being asked of you in the top 14? No, I mean, Philippe signed me for being Bath at, uh, for being Zach at Bath. So I wasn't going to come here and, and, and change my game. Obviously, you have to keep developing, you have to keep improving. Um, and this league, I think, Johnny, you played in it and my dad knows a lot about rugby and he came to one game and he's like, he couldn't believe the physicality of it. 
he he watched it and was just like hearing the collisions and everything that was going on. I, I just think this league is ridiculously physical. It's such a tough league, and obviously, I, I don't. I didn't, when I was back in the Premiership, I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Like the Premiership's the toughest league, or whatever. But I actually do believe now that this league is is massively physical. Um, so obviously, it kind of suits my game a little bit because I'm a bit I'm a bit evasive and try and do different ways to get around people rather than trying to run over them. But it's always nice when you've got uh, like Charlu or Paul Valencia or that in front of you. You've got right the Bruce brothers and send them in and you can kind of chill at the back and, and do what you want to do. But I've had to be more physical in this league. Uh, and that's something that I've always been questioned on in England, which is kind of ironic really. And um, that's, I've come here and I'm enjoying it. And do you know what? Yeah, it's a physical league and big, I'm not scared of it. And I'm just kind of embracing it and I'll keep developing. Now, who questioned you and said you weren't physical? When I watch you, you're physical. That's ridiculous. Where's that come from? Well, it's kind of gone round in England. That obviously I'm not 130 kilos and, um, whatever, but you're 115, though, mate. I played in top 14, I was 105. <laughs> a little skinny Scottish kid, mate. You are physical, it's just a, it's just a thing you get. Obviously, you get labeled with stuff, and um, I didn't come here just to, to prove that I was that. I came here for obviously different reasons, but I've kind of come here expecting I wasn't expecting to like develop this physicality side, but I've come here and I'm like, I've had to because the lads are so much bigger. and um, I do all that to the, like the coaches, the way they've helped me out being here, and I think that's why I've settled in so easily. Like the first game, it was just kind of normal. Like it didn't really feel like a new club. But you bring that X factor and that point of difference as well, because you can ball play, you can tip the ball on, you can step, you can fend, and also weirdly, it's quite strange when you go when you play in the UK and it's pissing it down for six months, and then you arrive in Montpellier, you've got dry deck. Like Montpellier is a hard pitch. It's so easy to play top of the ground rugby. So you fitted in straight away. Your performances have been phenomenal and great to watch. I want to ask you really briefly about fitting in in that aspect, the actual, the gameplay, but then almost more importantly, the changing room Montpellier, because there's been so much change since I left the club. Like when I left, Fabian Galtier was still the coach. We've had since then Jake White, we've had Vern, we've had Xavier Garbajosa. Now we've got Philippe. I think there's only like three blokes that are still there. Yes. I played, you've got like Misha, who Lou said propped the Georgian, great boy. Uh, Fufu, captain, still there. You've got Benoit Payog, who's um, but the club behind the scenes. You mentioned Moed, but does it feel more settled? It, it was kind of unsettled when I was there. You had this massive potential. The, the club could be the biggest in France if it weren't for a couple of odd things around the club. But now, does it feel more settled? What's the club like? It's infrastructure behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I think obviously Montpellier does have a reputation of people going there. just for not rugby reasons, just to pick up a paycheck and go on the pitch and whatever. But obviously trying to settle into a French changing room, Johnny, you know it, it's tough because there's only so much you can socialise with because of your language barrier. And we have lessons every week and trying to develop that. And But the lads, first of all, I just want to say how outstanding they have been. Like the way they've let me settle in here is massive. And the way they've kind of took me under the arm and looked after me and like the way Tom, the team manager, and all the coaches just kind of like, oh, like I said, like the first game of the year, I felt like I've been there for five years. Like, quality. And, and uh, like you said, like the change room for me, I, I think it's one of the best change rooms I've been in. Like, there's a ping pong table. I don't know if it's there. And like the social aspect of that there is massive. And lads just love being there. Like, I don't get it. Like, it cracks me up because we finish training and lads will sit there and play ping pong for an hour and just socialize. Whereas in the Premiership, it's like you finish training. Who's in the car first off home? Do you know what I mean? It's like, which I think is massive because you're kind of developing that team spirit off the field. And I do believe that by Philippe coming in and Olivia Azam and Jamba and Bruce Rehan, Alex Ruiz, these coaching staff, 
I've real settled everyone down and it's a real good place to go go to work and um, I believe that it does reflect on our on our performances on the field. Johnny mentioned his weight there. He used to play for Glasgow. You were in the Glasgow Warriors Academy for a little bit. You've gone to Montpellier. He played for Montpellier. He's not asking. No, where do you go next, mate? <laughs> and are you following in his footsteps? Oh well, Johnny's obviously uh, done well at international rugby and everything. So if I, if I'm anything like Johnny, then I'll take that. Mate, you know what I'm going to say, Zach? I'm going to call you Little Zachy because that's... <laughs> Benji, you boys won't know this, but so when I was at Glasgow, Zach's dad, Gary Mercer, was our defence coach. So Little Zachy would come to training, ball under arm, like the ball was bigger than he was. And like Little Zachy, you must have been five or six, mate. You were absolutely oh, wow. tiny. But rugby daft at the time, you could tell. But obviously you grew up in Scotland, you played under 16s, 18s, and then yeah. switched over to England under 20s. Obviously, if you had decided to play for Scotland, you'd probably have way more caps than I've got now. You'd have 50 or 60 or 70 already. But how did that conversation go? Was it a, if you come over to England 20s, we'll push you through and you'll get capped? And was there a tug of war? Like, how did it happen? And then when you made that decision to play and get your first test for England, were Scotland saying, like, Zach, you've got residency, come back up here, come on, you can be the boy? Like, how did it all pan out? No, it was weird, mate. It was like, it's obviously, I played Scotland 16s. Uh, my dad was the coach at the time, actually, so probably the only reason I played, but <laughs> so I did score 16s, uh, did all Glasgow stuff. And obviously I went to school in Edinburgh and uh, played there. And it's weird because I played Scotland 16s and I was trialed to get into the Scotland under 18s a year young and I didn't get in, I didn't get picked. So I didn't play that year. And then obviously then I was looking because it was the last year of school, what I wanted to do, like try and chase a professional contract. And it got to probably two months into term at school in Glasgow didn't offer me a contract Edinburgh nothing and Rob Moffat uh, who's pretty well known to the rugby world was the de- uh, the head of rugby at the school and he's like mate Edinburgh are going to offer you and Glasgow are going to offer you a contract right at the start so I was like okay whatever and then nothing came through so I was like oh, alright um, and then I, I had footage and he got sent out to premiership clubs and Bath came back and said yeah obviously starts being to Bath and I signed with Bath at the start of school um, and then Scott Scott so it was like, I did all the training camps and we, uh, I remember the day actually, the emails were coming out for selection and a good friend of mine um, who was playing got an email. He said, text me, he's like, did you get an email? I was like, oh no, I ain't got an email yet. So it was a bit strange. And then uh, Eddie Pollock, who was a Scotland under 18 coach at the time, texted me and went, mate, I'm coming to school to see you. And so he came in, obviously, and he's like, mate, oh, we're not picking you for Scotland 18s because you signed for Bath. He's like, oh. because you signed for Bath, we can't. Oh. We need to develop the players that stayed in Scotland. So, so I was like, obviously, I was a bit gobsmacked, really. I was a bit like, okay. And then I, Peter Walton, who's the England under 18s coach, literally, I walked to our meeting and rang him and he said, well, come down with us. And a couple of weeks later, I was playing for England against Scotland. And that was it then. Moved down to Bath and then that was it. And then I just chased the England dream then. And as you can tell, Zach, Johnny is absolutely Hi. desperate to, re- to recruit you back for Scotland. Um, but I'm not sure if you've been following these changes in the World Rugby eligibility laws. They don't affect you, I guess, do they? You, you qualify no, on I'll residency. Just say, no, I, I've had loads of people say, but I actually don't qualify for Scotland now. Yeah. Obviously, I, I moved out of Scotland. and well, you can move I, back, mate. It's not too late. Move, you can move back. I'd have to tell Mrs. Can we move from Montpellier back to Glasgow? Mate, sell her the dream. <laughs> sell her the dream. Um, and then, so, mate, going back a step before we go on to, obviously, eligibility doesn't apply to you now. We can 
rubbish that rumor but when you got first cap for england under eddie was there a tug of war again then before that first senior appearance or was it all no. plain sailing no, for me i was i kind of i think it's just as soon as i left scotland scotland pushed me under the bus and i just wanted to play for england and it was obviously i'm, I'm born in yorkshire obviously and uh proud englishman and but for me it was just like i kind of as soon as i was at bath i did a year and then i was straight into international stuff and i was in the camp then for about two years before I actually got capped. So I was kind of always in that environment. And then obviously I got the opportunity to play for, for England against South Africa. And that was it. And then that was the start of my international career. And obviously I only ended up getting two caps in the end, which is obviously disappointing, but I'm still young. And uh, I've had conversations now with Eddie that I, I was don't want to pursue uh, the England stuff. And you mentioned you're still young. You're in form. Eddie was at one of your games recently with the cast staff. So you sat next to Matthias Roland, one of my mates, which was picked up by all the TV cameras. <laughs> you want to earn more caps. Has there been any conversation ongoing? Is it looking like you'd be drafted back in at any time? Or is he giving you any pointers to work on? Mate, it's funny that day because I remember I was in a change room. I didn't even know Eddie was there. And I walked out to do the warmth and I saw his face on the big screen. And I was a bit like, hang on a minute. I looked around and obviously he knows Pierre Broncon. But then I was like, I'm the only Englishman on the pitch today. So... It was a bit of like pressure on and I expected him after the game just to kind of disappear. And But I ended up having a real good chat with Eddie and we just had a nice, honest chat with him regarding how he thinks I've been. And he's been impressed with how I've been in, in this league. And he's obviously impressed with the French league, which is why he was there, because he wanted to see what they were doing differently. And yeah, I've got, obviously it's quite nice at the moment because I've got no pressure on me. I'm here with Montpellier. I don't, I don't have to worry about selections or whatever. I'm just purely focused on doing the best for the team. and But who knows what could happen down the line? Obviously, I still have aspirations to play for England and Eddie knows that. And so whatever will be, will be. And just got to keep playing well and keep enjoying it because ultimately, the rugby's a short career and I'm here and Montpellier, I love it here. The coaches, are like I'm just learning every day. So I'm pretty blessed, really. And did Eddie say, I wish I'd given you a ring <laughs> eight months ago or whatever before that. you signed? I wish he said that. He didn't, he didn't say that. <laughs> and obviously no one can predict the future, but you mentioned you want to play for England again. So presumably the plan is it all goes well. You're loving life in Montpellier. You have your spell there, but then you do move back to the premiership in order to be available for selection again. No, obviously, but who knows what could happen? I mean, everyone knows what happened. Look at Armitage. Everyone was saying Stefan should go back and try and play for England, but France can keep it. France is it's such a beautiful place. The, the league's so special and, who knows what could happen? I, you could have a chance with me next year, and I might have said, you know what, I, I love it here, and I don't want to leave. So obviously, I, I'm still young. I do have aspirations to play for England, but the way my rugby's going here at the moment, I'm really enjoying it. You mentioned how special the place is. You've got engaged, haven't you, since you moved to France? So congratulations! And is Thank the romance much. rubbing off on you? Yeah, no. I mean, I'm very lucky, and everyone says, um, "Happy wife, happy life." Really. So I, I was very. Very lucky with my fiance and uh, the way she supported me moving out here has been really special and it kind of just kind of put the ice on the cake really and obviously asked her to, to marry me and that'll be going to place uh, in July this year. So yeah, not long. Congratulations, mate. Well Thank done. Thank you, guys. Where did you ask her, mate? Well, it's funny, mate. Like, <laughs> I didn't get down the one knee stuff. I, I, I couldn't get, it was in pre-season, wasn't it? So it was a bit, couldn't get down that low. <laughs> uh, no, it was just on the beach, um, Obviously, just just what beach was it? The, just down the road. So uh, it was on a twenty uh, first. So it was, a, it was a nice. I got actually it's a funny story. I, I woke up and got her a Hoover for a twenty first, and I think she looked at me like, <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> so you felt obliged to buy a ring after that present? No, so I already had the ring. I already had the ring, and she was like, Hoover, oh, okay, thank you, yeah, yeah, nice. Little did she know that I was going to propose like three hours later. So obviously that, that kind of saved me a little bit. And it was lucky we had our parents out at the time, so it was, it was a real special, special occasion. And um, you mentioned translators earlier on. How is the French coming along? Do you need any tips from Benji? Yeah, potentially, mate. Obviously, to be honest, just tell me I'll speak to Philippe and we'll be all right. No, Philippe, Philippe, Philippe you'll, be, you'll be absolutely fine. And, and Olivia Azam speaks really well too and stuff. Yeah, all, you need to know, oh. all you need to know is that in France, they care more about the, how, how you behave, how you yeah. react to adversity, how you show up week in, week out, how you're honest. And sometimes you can be a little bit volcanic. If things go, go a little bit too far, you know, it's, it's not the issue. As long as you're being genuine, straight shooter and, and give your absolute best, it's, 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 it's the only way to go about it. No, massively. And I think that's why you kind of fit in well. You, obviously, you come in, you perform, and as long as you're performing, then there's no questions asked, really. But we do learn, like, we have classes every week and uh, with the foreign lads, so it's, it's good crack. Uh, a teacher comes in and uh, teaches us on a Thursday, so... It's good fun and obviously the lads here, I'm actually very lucky and with regards to how like, much English the lads can actually speak. Um, uh, I'm blessed with um, Philippe, Olivia Azam and uh, Bruce Rihanna, who's obviously a skills coach, he's very good French as well. And Alex Ruiz, the referee, he tries not to speak English, but he can blatantly speak English, but I think he just decides that he doesn't want to. <laughs> oh, so mate, he- speak, speak to me about that. Speaking of that, because I, I, I did not like him as a ref. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, was, he was an annoying, annoying little shit as a ref. He was good. Don't get me wrong. Okay, he was good. I just didn't like his personality. He would really he would really get into you. You know, he would be like, I told you, you know, I just... He's like on the call now. It was a great impression. He does that, didn't he? But, mate, first of all, like, I remember when he first got signed as a coach, I was at Bath, and all the Bath lads were sending me these, like, articles saying, mate, you signed a referee as a coach. It's quite, it's a clever move, though. It's it's a clever move to, to go think outside the box. No, first of all, Alex is great. I mean, he's he gives a bit of stick. He, he can take it well, and he's, he's a good lad, and his English is very good. Um, I think, he obviously, joining the rugby stuff, he's kind of pushed away from the referee side, and... Um, I do believe he's actually been a real great addition to this coaching staff because every question he knows the answer to. But what, what does oh, he do? That does, guy. does he like prepare sessions for you guys or does he help the boys or help the coaches? No, so he obviously, he's, he's a phone coach. He does the break. He, he massively focused on the breakdown. That breakdown's his area. Um, and then before a game, he'll preview the referee. So whatever the referee. So for example, we played Beeritz two weeks ago and the referee was so hot on the breakdown we knew that all week because Alex told us um, and backed up with stats and uh, and then obviously rest the sessions, which is massive because mm. you want an international referee saying if you're offside or saying whatever. And then yeah, that's cool. All these rules that are getting brought in or chopping and changing, he just knows. Uh, and it's always good when you go into a game and he knows the referee. Uh, so you can have a word or if the referee has an absolute shocker, just rip into him then and you say, what's your mate doing? So, but no, he's, he's a good addition. And um, obviously, like I said, Bruce as well, Bruce Rihanna um, was at Bordeaux for a new years. And, he's and Bristol. As, Bristol, yeah. Um, he's coming as a skills coach, so he's been massive for us. Benji didn't sugarcoat what he thought of Alex Ruiz. So when you get to training tomorrow morning, Zach, just mention Benjamin Kay's name, see what he says. Do you know what I'll do? I'll just send him this interview and just listen. Listen to Kayser. 
my there's no chance in the world that whilst you're on the pitch and you get ref by a guy you can get along well it's it's a bit complicated you know there's some some heated moments but um no it's just it's just just the attitude but at the same time you know it in France you need to have a big set of nuts to get in there and tell the boys put them back in their place when needed you know show show absolutely everybody who's boss it's funny like we played played one game and Roman Pratt was the ref and he's on touch judge <laughs> and he speaks very good English yeah I'm, I think it was only two three games in and they scored a try and I looked at him I was like mate it's clearly a knock on and then he comes back, he comes back to me in French and I'm just like I just played shoot I knew what he was saying but I was just like oh mate I don't know I don't, I don't understand what you're on about like I was like you're going to sit by I don't, like, don't understand <laughs> and then he comes to me in blatant English I goes you're in France now you speak French and then that was it <laughs> and I was like Oh, I was like, oh god! Uh, but every time we see him now, we laugh and joke by it. But yeah, no, it's, it's it's a special place. This place, it's it's interesting, and there'll be loads of stories to tell when I when when I when you stop playing here. And yeah, it's it's funny because it's, it's so different to the Premiership. What have been your biggest? What are your biggest things you've noticed so far, difference-wise? Like for me, arriving at Montpellier was the passion, and you mentioned the players. For me, it was twofold. So it was the players, the passion they had, but the crowds as well. Those are the two things. I added that, the physicality and how big everyone was. Those are the three. I couldn't believe how fired up everyone was, how much like a carnival the crowd was, and how bloody big everyone was in the top 14. Those are the three things I couldn't get my head around when I first arrived. Can I the same for you? Yeah, no, massively. I mean, first of all, the size of the mutants that you come up against in this league is just ridiculous. I mean, every time you walk out, you're like, oh, here we go. And like I said, luckily I've got some some big units around me to help me out. But then, like you said, it's the passion, like for the lads. Like you can go into a change room and know before the game's even kicked off that we've got to win this game because the way the lads are, they like their mannerisms and whatever, they're just so pumped for the game. And um, and then obviously feed off the crowd. And as you go into Montpellier, you've got that tunnel of noise, and everyone's playing like a festival and whatever. Like you said, the crowd are so passionate and. They're everywhere. Like, even if it's just a small bunch, we'll go to Beerus three weeks ago and there's a little small bunch of them that just travel everywhere, um, which is pretty special. And the other thing I've noticed in this league is the referees. This is something I've really struggled with. Um, it's how differently they ref a game out here and how much more, like, I would say stricter. I'd say how much more stricter they are in the top 14. And it's definitely, I'm still watching some games now in the top 14. We watched the other day. And I was just like, that's never be given a penalty in, uh, in England or pushes or shoves or punches like the referee just kind of turn a blind eye and crack on it's pretty ridiculous but it is rugby and it's just like let's just crack on really sounds like the best way to do it is to have a chat with them like you did with Roman so just get to know them yeah, ask well, Alex and then yeah <laughs> you'll be fine I'll push the first guy and then I'll run back and hide behind like Paul Valemsa or something and say go on Paul thanks so much for coming on Zach and um, it's great to hear how well things are going out there and um, good luck for the rest of the season thank you guys I really appreciate it congratulations on the engagement Thank you, guys. Cheers, little Zaki. See you, mate. Good luck this weekend. Cheers. Happy wife, happy life. That's something we can all agree on, eh? Yeah, I'm just glad he didn't ask her on, mate, there's this beach. I remember on our first few months in Montpellier, I went with Jim Hamilton to this beach next to Carrymere. So our favourite bar and like place to eat was Carrymere. I go there with the missus, go there with all the boys. And only on like our seventh time of going there, went there with Jim and our wives and Jim and I asked go for a walk down the beach. We literally, there's like, a peggy fence blocking the restaurant from the other side. And then all you've got is like absolutely massive dongs, nudist beach about 13 feet from where we're sitting, having a lunch. We had no idea. So we had to go back. 
So our missus would be like, nah, you can't go down that beach, it's dangerous. You're not allowed to walk down there, there's things you can't see. Jim and I back with our tails between our legs. No coincidence that Jim Hamilton was involved in that story in a nudist beach. Mate, he absolutely loved it. And that was it. After then, our wives weren't allowed to come for lunch. We would just go and have a walk and a chat and a coffee at Carrymer. Great part of the world. Absolutely love it. But great to hear him doing so well, Benji. Like we we always talk about foreign foreigners going to the the top 14. And it's great to hear when it, it goes well. And and Zach is doing incredibly well this season. Yeah, it's it's just it's just amazing to hear him be so happy. Um, I, I love that when he said, you know, it feels like he's been in the changing room for five years, that he enjoys the passion, he enjoys the people. To be fair, this it's down to his ability, absolutely, his mindset, most definitely. But hats off to Philippe Saint-André, who also had the flair and and his his knowledge. Philippe Saint-André is a, is a premiership fanatic. I always remember he started me a France, an England-France game. First start in Six Nations or second start in Six Nations, whatever, in 2012, 13. And my wife, being English, she knew that it was an important game for me. And we never really spoke before. And I remember walking out in Tana and he sort of grabbing you around the shoulders. For you and me, that's a special game. Because that, that's that's how it is for him. He really considered his heart is split in two. He's got such a deep connection with his whole sail sharks mm-hmm. moments when they won the premiership and he was given uh, premiership coach of the year. And it was really a moment where France sort of kicked him out by the little door just because his 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 performances with uh, was Bourgoin, I think at the time, didn't go so well. Um, and and he, he struggled just a tiny bit. And England was his goal, his his next step to the highest level of coaching. And I think, I can't remember if he did Gloucester first and then Sale or the other way around, but Sale was the pinnacle of his career. And he came back as an internationally renowned, successful coach. And that's what he built around him. Um, and that really got him back into the Toulon gig and the French team gig and all those things. He really has a deep, deep, deep connection uh, with the country he absolutely adores it he loves the capacity of the English to bluntly take the piss out of themselves but also be super super serious two seconds later he loves the traditions he loves those really really tight stadiums where the, the stands are just a few centimeters away from the touchline and the, ooh, uh, hey, all the singing and and the drinking and the socializing he just absolutely loves that 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 stuff so that's why he follows I think he, he used to commentate in France for RMC the yep. English Premiership. All the Premier. He only yeah, did it because because he loved it. He, I'm not surprised if it's him who is like, listen, I know this guy, Zach Mercer. He might not be Billy Vunipola in terms of size. He might not be as renowned as I don't know, uh, Faletau, if you want. Okay, but um, he's got something special, and actually, he could fit in really nicely into a Montpellier uh, team that never lacked size ever. <laughs> That's never been an issue, and he repeated Paul Willemse six times. But yeah, because he's a big old unit. Um, and he would just bring this extra spice, sparkle and his mindset will fit perfectly because I need a happy face. He'll be happy. So fair play, Philippe, great flair, fair play, Zach, ability and mindset. And it's just one of those good stories that we like to hear. Right. It's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it? So have you got one, Benji? I've got one. I've got one, boys, which is not s- such a hot, hot moment. But listen, um, meter is about the hot and cold. It's about, you know, knowing who, who is hot at the moment. And I, I really do agree with what Johnny said with how Berrits showed a proper strong face in Bordeaux. They absolutely dominated the game for 20 minutes. Then Bordeaux, top of the po- top 14, came back to the mixer and ended up squeezing a win. But just to get the defensive bonus point, um, Berrits had to score a final try uh, in the last sort of seconds of the game. And big old Francis Saili rocked up outside in uh, 
sort of line and bulked a couple of guys over the line. So it's not only because he was he was a gentleman and, and was really kind and nice to share some really good anecdotes with us in the pod. But on top of that, I just think he's been pretty, pretty good for Buritz from the beginning of the season. He's been really hanging on uh, for, for that team in terms of, of performances and really putting his body on the line and just scored that try outside in. You know, it's the type of guy who's really there for the team. He's really there for that club and all those foreigners who keep on on giving all, all all that that's all I want to see. That was really a guy who cared about how Berets were 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 behaving. So that's why I would like to give Francis Saeli for his final try against Bordeaux a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, who got them a defensive bonus point, a well-deserved defensive bonus point, the meter moment of the match. You on board with that, Johnny? Ah, uh, 100%. Especially, you never know for Berets how important that one point's going to be come the end of the season. So yeah, manner of how they did it. Um, getting that one point towards the end of the game and that man Francis Seidley is an absolute legend so 100% the meter moment of the week Francis Seidley that was Benji and Johnny's meter moment of the week and meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer they've made over 9 million cooks better with their revolutionary app as well so it's no surprise their users are growing rapidly every day if you've ever said your pork or turkey's dry then meter's for you and you can use it on a barbecue in the oven or in a pan enter a whole new world of cooking and join the Metaverse at meter.com. And just use the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout for 10% off any full price item as well. And before we move on, we need to do the big unveil, don't we? We had a competition just before Christmas to win hundreds of pounds worth of Meter goodies. So do you want to do the drum roll, Benji? Let Johnny announce the winner. Whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> And the winner is, welcome to the Metaverse, Ed Birch. Well done, that man. We'll be well sending done, you a Ed. pile of Meter goodies. Welcome to the Metaverse. And thank you to Meter, arranging a nice pile of goodies for Ed. Well done, mate. Well done, Ed. Let's have a look ahead to the return of the Champions Cup now then. First of all, it's great that rounds three and four are going ahead as things stand. Anything could happen. <laughs> and it's all because of the necessary exemptions that have been negotiated with the French government after a lot of games were postponed just before Christmas. So we're assuming there will be a few that may fall by the wayside in these rounds as well. Ooh. And look, you hope that the time is right because the government messaging now is that we have to move on, we have to live with it, we have to treat this like a flu. So are we going to keep testing everyone? Is everyone going to have to keep testing to play? Are positive cases going to be treated in the same manner? Are you still going to have to isolate? Hopefully not for much longer. So no idea. Hopefully we just get ahead on this weekend, get as many played as possible and see what happens. And just for listeners not in France, explain the situation there because it's very different to the UK, isn't it? And there are exemptions for the Champions Cup, which means it can go ahead. But generally everyone playing in the top 14 or leagues lower down in France have to be vaccinated, don't they? So that's, that's the main, main difference with, with France at the moment is that they decided to um, to make the restrictions a bit tighter in terms of those special events. So from the 3rd of January, you had to have 5,000 people max uh, in the stands. I think they're still thinking for certain people. And that's outside stands. So the poor uh, racing is, is going to be even lower than that. It's going to be 2,000, I think, in, yeah. their, in their stadium. Even though they might think of doing 50% of capacity, which would make a lot more sense so that it's not like, you know, just like a, a 5,000 for everyone, but you could depend on the size of your, of your stadium. But on top of that, yes, they have made it compulsory. I think it's a, it's a big battle of the French government to force people to get vaccinated. You had your sort of your COVID pass, and now it's your vaccination pass. Even a, a negative test doesn't get you into uh, into nightclubs, into uh, 
or one nightclubs are shut, but you know what I mean, into all those 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 uh, places, um, and they're really pushing it. So th- that had to be implemented in in top fourteen too, to the point where they said that uh, players who are unvaccinated are no longer able to play which was already something that was sort of done every time there was a positive case. You would see the guys who were non-vaccinated who would just not come at all, whether they're positive, negative, because they were too much at risk. They couldn't even be near the club. That's what happened in, in Clermont all the time with Matsushima and George Moala. Um, it's, it's, and there's, there's about one or two guys for personal beliefs, and you can't blame them for anything, uh, who decide not to do it. And uh, I saw an interesting article of, a, what is it, Waisea, Naira Levou, the center winger yeah. Fijian for, for Stade Francais. Who decided to say he he just it's just his personal belief again he doesn't believe in vaccinations so he didn't he didn't want to do it but now he's put into sort of a, a possibility of not being able to play so I think if if really the things don't change because he already had COVID so technically he's got antibodies in him um, so they're trying to play on that or maybe just one dose would be enough whatever it is they're gonna have to make it happen so things are tighter things are a bit more complicated let's just hope this is the last time we need to speak about this with such, such an amount of stress like you said johnny that it's going to become a flu We're going to have to live if you want to get a vaccination every year for flu well you should do it and done uh but uh but rugby but rugby went pretty tight in france and i hope it's not going to make uh, this european cup even more complicated than it already is and on a more positive note on the pitch which games are we looking forward to in particular Benji, I know which one you'll be looking forward to. You'll be looking forward to Clermont Sale. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Clermont Sale will be will be proper. There's there's also there's also Toulouse going to Wasp. That will be proper because Wasp just beat Leicester, I think, for the first time, first lost in um, <clears throat> for Tigers this season. I got my mate Richard Blaze. I actually spoke to, spoke to him about a French player. Ooh la la! I'm not going to tell you. He did ask me about French player. I don't think it's going to go ahead, but, but you never know. <laughs> Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Um, and, and so that would be exciting because tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but Wasp always seem to, to play a very fast-paced open rugby. And so against Toulouse, it can, be, it can be pretty hot and get pretty exciting. And I think all the teams know that, listen, anything like Zach said, they, they got 25 a bonus point victory against Leinster. Anything can happen. Over one weekend, next week you might, you know, be kicked out of, of, of Europe or you might be in quarterfinal or eighth or final of Europe because of some sort of circumstances. So everybody's like, whatever points there is to be taken, let's just play what there is to play full tilt. So I think everything will be a bit of live or die situation like it normally is in European, but this will maybe even more. So it'll be exciting. Uh, Leinster Montpellier, really Massive. looking forward to it. After huge. the last November tests of, of, of the Irish team, considering how many guys there are, uh, that, that play for Leinster, it can only be hot. Montpellier are seriously hot at the moment. Yes, they haven't played last week, but that could help them a little bit. So now there's, there's some proper games. I mean, listen, all the games are, are... I'm just... I love European rugby and I can't wait for it to be back. There's a few that are almost formalities. Like you look at La Rochelle Bath, Ospreys against Racing, going to be one-way traffic, but really looking for... Like you said, Leinster against Montpellier, like two teams packed full of talent um, and you just want these things to go ahead you want to see the spectacle you want it to be on TV you want to be working at these games and to see decent level European rugby especially with the Six Nations just coming around the corner these guys need top high-end match practice in the best competition in my opinion best club competition in the world so really looking forward to those ones also really looking forward to Bordeaux against Lanethley randomly don't know why I've always enjoyed watching the Scarlets uh, so looking forward to that game in Bordeaux too Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. And a big thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. 
Au revoir, guys. Cheers, boys. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.